Welcome to No Ideas Original Podcast featuring Shanon and Mr. Robert Zane. Tonight, we are fortunate and blessed to be joined by Ella Sensei from the Artifacts, Jersey Zone. Yo, so I, I'm going to start off by... I was going to... When you, when you guys first came out, I was one of them kids that was... I was in high school. I was yeah. a dude who loved graffiti. I was yeah. a dude who was into fashion. I was a dude that was in the rap. And I remember the artifacts in particular because I was that dude who stayed up late on Thursdays to listen to Stretch Armstrong and Bobito. Right. And yep. I think the first time I heard you guys, Wrong Side of the Tracks was on Stretch Armstrong and Bobito. And I was blown away and I was like, holy shit, like, yo, these are dudes who got the whole culture down packed. They rapping, DJing, graffiti, all in one. So, yo, tell us, how did the artifacts actually come together? Uh, Artifacts came together, uh, we actually had the same friends in the hood. Uh, my man Polo Weiss, uh, he knew Tame growing up with him, and my man Jay Byrne I went to school with. And Byrne was like a prevalent graffiti artist in the neighborhood in East Orange. Um, me and Byrne went to school uh, with Naughty by Nature, they was a, he was in the same grade as them, they was a great grade ahead of me. Um, so like, I was doing talent shows in my area, uh, Tame lived across town. I only knew Tame of him just from his name being on the wall and seeing the beat. But I never knew that he was an MC until I got with a crew that burned put me down with my man uh, Rhino CMZ. We had like a, a group called the Boss Mob. So it was like me, Tame, Mellow Max, Rasta Ra, uh, a few guys that we was uh, affiliated with. And I would go over there to court, but I would see Tame's name on the wall. I said, wow. I said, yo, did he be here? They said, yeah. And he rhymed. I said, damn. So I was like, if he rhymes just as good as his tag and his pieces, but then I know he's I know he's I know he's special. And one day I went over there and he happened to come by, and we uh, we chopped it up that day. But the next time we came back to the studio, we recorded a song called "Break It Down," and we actually put a title song on the That's Them album called "Break It Down." That's them. I'll get to that later. But yeah, that's that's kind of how we met. Uh, we started doing talent shows in the hood. Um, and we just really was kind of like one of the last groups I'd say the outsiders to get signed when you talk about like major groups like Redman and Naughty and Lord of the Underground. You know, we came late and the way we got our deal was through going on Stretch and Bobito, like you said, you know, just being listeners as you were. Mm -hmm. And we got, we got a chance to go up there. Uh, Tame had called up on the phone and got in one of uh I won't say a battle, but he, he won a contest for the Illich Rhyme of that night, and they invited him to come up. So that's the man went together. Look at that! Wow, that's dope, son. But yo, this is this is this is significant, man. Tell us the story of how you got the name Elder Sinister. Okay, <laughs> uh, that came from um, I, I, I cut hair. Um, it just so happened when, when cats on Saturday afternoon, I would go down to the barbershop and it'd be crowded. So I come down there, I cut my own hair. So I go down there, dudes like, damn, who cut your hair? I said, me. Like, where? I said, in my crib. So I said, y'all come up, come up the street. You know, I get out here, cut too, like six dollars. So <laughs> I'm taking money out of the barbershop. I know, you're undercutting. <laughs> that was a hustle. That was a hustle right there, son. And I used to, and it's only on Saturday. I ain't, you know, I would uh, play all the kung fu movies in my room when I'm cutting through his hair or, or any, some anime movie or something like that. 
So it was a part in this one movie that this dude just kept saying, Sensei, Sensei. And my man was like, yo, you know what? That's what we're going to call you. Because when you cut in here, and you could, you know, they like the hairline, and you, you get this shit real sharp, bro. It's like the Sensei Blade, like that. As a matter of fact, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be the Sensei Blade. But I just put the L in front of it. That's dope. Yo, and did, didn't you battle Trench? I, oh, we, we, we know, we almost did in school, but uh, I did a talent show, and right. then the next day, he was like, yo, I didn't know you rhymed. So he's like, you know we're gonna have to battle, right? So right. It, was, it was one guy sitting there at the table, we were going in the lunchroom. So he, you had to get his dude to pass to go in the lunchroom. So he's sitting there watching like, well, won't y'all battle right now? I was like, we can't, because ain't nobody around to even, you know, judge it or say who's gonna win. So, but they were called New Style at the time in school. Right. So then they left high school and they, they went and started making records under New Style. And then they stopped making records. And then that's when they became Naughty by Nature. So like, you know, me and Tretch got a long history. But as far as for me, historically, he's one of the dudes that names rang bells in the street. Right. Like, you know, like when I'm, talking about, when I'm talking about dudes just being ill, you know, he was he was that guy. Me. Go ahead, Rob. You got another question? Nah, nah. Okay. Hey, tell me about um the, the the group name. That's them. That was that was the the name that you guys chose before the artifacts. Yeah. And that okay. that came from that came from us. Uh, some some of the shows, talent shows in the hood, especially this one we had called uh, Tough Teen Talent Night, and this would be like every every weekend or say like holiday whether it's Easter, Christmas, Halloween, on the weekend they would have this show fall on, on the holidays and it'd be like local artists, uh, local MCs, ballot for, for, for prize money. So uh, it got to a point where me and Tane, we would, uh, we showed up at a couple of auditions and pretty much I knew the dude that was throwing the, these, these shows. So he would let us come in, you know, but he said, oh yeah, I got an audition. I know y'all gonna be good, but y'all still got audition. So man, when me and Tane would show up, it'd be like 10, 12 groups, and we come in the door, they like, oh, damn, that's them dudes right there. They, <laughs> they, they do that, and I'm serious. That's how we got our name from people calling us that way. That's them right there, them dudes right there about to kill us. So oh, we kept hearing that, and we was like, you know what? That's gonna be the name. So that kind of stuff, but when we got to the label, and we got past the you know preliminary stuff as far as them Introducing, we introducing ourselves as MCs, and then when we had a meeting, they said, "What's the name of our group?" He's like, "That's them." They were like, mm-hmm. "You know the emoji, you know, the emoji when the emoji be like, they was like, oh no, yeah, I got to work on that." So we left, and but this is how we became artifacts. Though. Like we left the label, we uh, on the train going back to Jersey from New York. Uh, me and Tame, and we defeated because we was like, "Damn, I've been our name for a couple of years." So. I'm looking at him, he's looking at me, and um, by the time we was about to get off the train, I just looked at him, I was like, artifact. I don't know why I said that. It just came out, and we was like, we both, now we doing the extra emoji now with the magnifying glass. We like, oh, <laughs> we like, hold up, hold up, hold up. We got home. We got something. Of course, we know what the word means. We know what the word means. We had to see it in right. We like, okay, hmm. We're looking at all the encyclopedias, we're looking at just everything, dictionary. Just to get the, you know, 
the wording right. So we said, right. okay, anything from ancient times being brought to modern times to be taught the lessons and blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah, that's what we do with this. We still do graffiti, we still b-boys. You know, it was a transition with, you know, into the, from the 80s, we're still going into the 90s, when you used to talk about dancing and as far as right. being a b-boy, you're seeing a transition from floor work to dancing dudes like in videos. So we was, right. in, this time, we was in this time period. So we just trying to figure out like, you know, how can we translate this in a way where people can affiliate it with the music we do? And, you know, blame, we blame Lord Jamar. So we recorded wrong side of the track in Lord Jamar's basement. So the way y'all hear the words we wrote, everything, the hook, Jamar wrote the hook. We recorded it in Jamar's ex-basement. That's, that's the demo version. Y'all can hear that on YouTube right now, or you can go to F5 Records. And, but go on YouTube and put in Artifacts demo version Lord Jamar and you'll hear that song only reason why we didn't have that version on the album because it was a James Brown sample and if, if not for that you wouldn't hear the version that you hear today but right. we had to make a version with T-Ray because uh, they wouldn't play that James Brown sample I, Jamar was on the road doing brand new uh, stuff mm-hmm. so he couldn't, he couldn't redo the hook again but uh, it's crazy the way I hear the words this song today. Yeah. It's the classic that it is, you know, even, even though it has another side of the story. So, yeah. I have to love Jamal, man. He's, man. Right. he's a, un, he's a under, he's like, people don't give appreciated in general. Yeah, he's, he's underappreciated in general. Man, you know, um, the, the, the term backpack rapper, once upon a time, people use as an insult, but to me, I always thought of it more as a, um, a compliment because to me it was the people who were purists when it came to hip hop. It was people who really appreciated sampling, good drums, good lyrics. You know, they pretty, they, they, yeah, the full craft, all of the art. So right. I, mean, I guess my question to you is like, do you guys consider, you know, the artifacts, do you consider you ought to be backpack rappers? And also, what do you think of the term backpack rappers? Is it any sort to you? I'm glad you asked me this. Uh, mm. Hey, you know, over the years, you know, it, it, the word has transcended from, honestly, for me, uh, personally, I would like to be considered from, from the underground, because that's what we called it when we was doing it, and it went from that to, so it, backpack, backpacker came from people who didn't understand why cats was coming in the club at night with backpacks on, they thinking that because of the community, like, everything you just explained, they would think that that was why they were wearing because of the style of music but mm-hmm. uh, you know I just tell people like you know I, was, I had a backpack so I was in New York and I didn't know if I was going to make it back home <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times that's why dudes would show up at the club with a backpack mm-hmm. on and it was a fashion statement so you have Tommy Hilfiger and Ralph making bags that look so dope it's part of your wardrobe so because you was into this style of hip hop I think it just coincided with each other. I don't like the fact that uh, there got to be so many different names for underground hip hop for me. You know, because mm-hmm. it goes underground and went backpack and now it's boom bap. Like, what the hell is this? What is this? Like, yeah. it, it can't have all these two, these three, four different terms and it's still musically what you explain and how the music that you listen to, yeah. that you listen to, this is what I do. You know, so it's like, I tell people all the time, I consider myself an underground artist rather than, because it don't sound so dope when you say I'm a backpack artist or I'm a 
Named in that category, you know what they all got in common? All of them is dope and shit. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, and that's what, and that's what I say. Let's let's keep it in perspective of, of to say like there's a difference in all of the artists that we see, but there's all, also different categories for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and far as in the lane that you want to be. Yeah, facts. Yeah, one one of the one of the greatest accomplishments I think that. The artifacts came across is when y'all work with Buck Wild um, coming with the get down. Talk mm-hmm. about that and talk about the story of you and Buster when y'all was on your way to DC. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like when we, when we first got the deal, they asked us who we wanted to work with. And of course, we like, you know, P Rock, Lost Pro, Primo, they're like, ah, y'all got the money. <laughs> y'all got no bread for that. So we got like people like T Ray. You know him, he worked with, the, uh, yeah, I know, Double X Boxes, but he was just starting to work with them. Video wasn't out yet. You know, Headcracker was out. That was the only thing he had out there, but I knew of him through Cyberdip. So I said, well, who, who the dude that did the joint with Dot uh, Diamond and Smith? And my man Reese, Rob Tulo, was the AR. He said, oh, you saw my buck wild. I said, yeah, let's get him. He said, matter of fact, I set up a meeting. We go to the studio and meet him. So we go there, we meet him. Uh, Rock Raider is in the room. Um, we meet him at the same time. And, you know, I just was like, nigga, that beat was fire. Like, we need something like that. 
And he sat right in our face and he started going through a couple of beats and he made come on to get down right there, like in our grill. He was alright, that's one, that's one beat. So fast forward, uh, we do a, a radio retail run uh, for Warner Atlantic Electric. We in DC, we, we on a bus going to Baltimore to Morgan State College to perform. On this bus, Jay Z, Lisa of the New School, TCF Crew, KMD, Hard to Obtain. Uh, this is yeah, all on one bus. We going, we going in Boston, and we had the radio. We, I'm trying to say this fast. We had the radio, and we only had maybe like six songs done for the album. And Buster, he heard the playing the radio in the back. So yo, bring the radio to the front. So we passed by everybody, and you know, uh, original flavor and Jay and Dane is on the bus. So we we, we sit there. Buster, he snapped the radio out of my hand, and Mike, this is a tape, there's no CD and shit, so he's rewinding what he was playing, he don't know what's on it, he's playing it back, yo, what's your name? Do the artifact, oh, I heard you, yo, stretch my beat already, so yeah, mm-hmm. I, definitely, I got the deal, so, yeah, so we bugging, because everybody's in this, yeah. <laughs> all around each other, yeah. so he's, he's playing the song, he gets to come on to get down, and something happens to him, where he was just like, hold up. He got like past my first verse, he rewinded it, and, and you know, now back then, they, everybody looking at each other. Everybody looking at each other, and they think you're looking at us. And he's like, let's play again. You listening? Got through the chamber. Brrr, to the beginning again. So he's looking around, and he played the whole song. And he pressed that button when it was over. He's like, bang, yo, hey, yo, listen. If y'all ever do a remix for this song, I want to be on it. Yo, the whole bus like froze. So this is this is like when you know this is when they about to break up. This is leading. So this is all the after the MTV shit, everything. So Buster said that, and everybody was just froze. And I was just like, well, I bet. So uh, I kept that in mind. We put the album out. Uh, now we do the second single. I call him. I said, Yo, when we do it, if we do a remix. <laughs> <laughs> do, that still, do that still stand? And I knew it was gonna take some bread to do it too. So we, we got it knocked out, man. That was just one of the best sessions ever. Cause like Buster was really like looking at me and saying like, "What y'all, what y'all right?" Yo, he was coming. Like, Come on, what you got? What you got? Let's see what you got. You cool? What you got, team? What you got, team? Let's see. So then we, he, we, we say our verses. He's like, "Yo, L, come in the booth. Buddy. Come in the booth. Come in. The, I go in the booth, and I'm he, I'm in the booth, but he's." You deliver flow hot, but he's saying hot. He's pushing in the, in the room. <laughs> so I, I was like, you know, that was one of the best stories I can tell. Uh, where it's like, you know, that was early in Buster's, you know, about to be solo for right. you know, can, can I can I just digress for a minute? Because you mentioned something that we were talking. We was talking about this. I think it may have been last week, and we were talking about that's the dot X, the Diamond D, and that little finesse song. And how right. fucking great that song is! And yeah, I, we just told him, I was like, yo, that beat. When I heard that beat, yo, that that track right there, yo, that to me is, is like the first thing that stands. Buck Wild is like Buck Wild got some shit. And him, him using that SP12, you know, what I'm saying, them drum chops, it's crazy. Yeah, so that's what that's what, that's what attracted me to him, with the, the snares and all the, the, the doubled ups he was doing. Yeah, what the fuck is that dude when it comes to producing, man? And he's in the right camp too, man. Right, right, right. I mean, and, and, not, and for what it's worth, me and Tane pretty much have almost worked with every DRTC producer besides officially Diamond because we was going to be on the Don piece, the first album, but he couldn't clear the sample. 
still, he's still the only elusive one that we ain't worked with yet. But we pretty much worked with those the Yeah, nice. Yeah. Now, and uh, before you say anything, before we get off, just to stay on the Buck Wild thing. I'm gonna let y'all know now before I get off. We we got a whole album with Buck Wild coming out. Ten, Dang. ten, ten <laughs> joint. Nice. Ten, yeah. Ten. Can you give us a date? <laughs> Actually, I'm waiting for the release date now. Is that the shipment uh, at the pressing plant? Uh, we doing color vinyl, so it's taking a little longer than I do it. But yo, bro, I'm gonna blow your DM until I get that. So I'm gonna <laughs> yeah, yeah, I ain't even playing. Okay. Oh my god. Yeah, ten songs, and we got a, we got only a couple of guests on there, but y'all gonna like this ten ten songs of shipment, bro. Okay. Let me tell you something. Buck put out. A combination not too long ago of pure fucking fire. And I just listened yeah. to the instrumental. That's mm-hmm. I'm just like, that is amazing. People forget about like, how he like, worked, man. Yeah, Buck got a lot of stuff. Whoa, that, that loads. <laughs> but yo, Buck did I got a story to tell. Yes, sir. Right. Yeah, right. Big thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the one of the illest stories stories ever in hip hop, actually. Yeah, um Right. And I also want to say, man, big, big shout out to my brother Ballfingers, man, that reached out to you, man. Me and him got a lot of history together. Uh, it's like a little brother to me, man. We went to high school together and all that. So big shout out to Ballfingers. Um, yeah, yeah, I but appreciate it. Huh? Well, I, I appreciate him asking me to do it because I've been, you know, a couple of weeks I was supposed to be on. So I, I think. Right. But um, when you, when you think of New Jersey, man, you think of... You would tame, you think of like, like we said earlier, uh, Lords of the Underground, uh, Red Man, Joe Button, you got, uh, 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 Naughty by Nature, Nikki, Nikki D, right? Would it, would it ever be, oh, Rod Digger 2, Outsiders, mm-hmm. would it, would it ever be, uh, 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 organized Jersey reunion as far as for a tour? And if so, have that, have that ever been like, thought about before but it just I guess it just didn't work out the way that you guys planned it to be yeah I've been trying to do that for a minute actually you know what I'm saying like I, I tried to do a Naughty by Nature Red Man Artifacts go to the Underground tour but with everybody's schedules it was crazy uh, Naughty was actually doing the cruise shows they were doing uh, so they wasn't available at the time you know it, it's still time it's still room and time for that and you know I would think that we would all be uh, down for that, you know, but it's just uh, getting everybody together. I would say through the years, we all realized that we haven't done anything close to what New York has done when it comes to uh, getting together, doing records together. Um, I would say in the last 10 years, I've done a lot of music with everybody that you just named. Like, mm-hmm. me and Dude all got a couple of songs together that never came out yet, but they will be coming out soon. Um, I've done a couple of features for Tretch. Tretch did a feature for me. Uh, on an album I did with these guys in, uh, in Poland called The Returners. I was happy about that because, you know, I told him, I said, bro, you was my inspiration as a kid growing up. And seeing him in school, seeing them, you know, do all the stuff they did, see them blow up with OPP, uh, that made me insane get a deal because they was like in the hood. Right. It's like, like, he was insane with the last ones around, all of them was like, what's up with y'all? <laughs> and we would say, yeah, what is up with us? You got me, you got me, so, you know. So these things made us better, you know, and also I could run a couple of names off for you. Just, you know, honor, not even say honorable mention, like my man Lock Kim Shabazz. 
Oh that's yeah. Like, that's my mentor, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love this dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, I always feel like, not say it's locked in, it's just dude, but when you talk about New Jersey artists, he is a, is one of the top dudes because Lock came out for a lot of dudes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was in, in Egypt shooting videos, you know, and and knowledge is power to do. He's You've been influenced by the gods of light, man. The brand new man. All, all the stuff he did with Sadat. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, you know I, mean, I, I speak of, of, of Apache, rest in peace to him. He was he was that he was that gangster side of Jersey that a lot of people in New York didn't think we had. Like right. we we right next to New York. We got our grace just just in the same. But, you know, I take pride in all my Jersey artists, but I, I definitely put Locke up there. You know, sure, Rob, you know, I, I definitely respect his wise intelligence. You know, this is a man who lost both members in his group, you know, and he's still going. I respect him for that, and, and it, for, for what it's worth, you know, Wise is, you know, probably one of the only MCs from Jersey that, you know, you could look at him today, still look the same. Even more deadly on the mic. Yeah. You know, and, he just wrote a book too, man. He was one to have never held his song in any conversation on any music that he's done. So I respect him a lot. Yeah. I tell you what though, man, just just just, just a real a real quick comment. Um when I when I when I moved from, from the Bronx, I lived like two years in Sayerville, then I lived in Somerset, then I lived in New Brunswick, right? But I remember when I was living in Jersey, we used to go out, me and my crew used to go out to Skate 22, man. And I remember yeah. like, yeah, one of one of my, my favorite damn performances that I seen back when I was a young buck was when Red Man came to Skate 22 and, and yeah. toured that. Uh, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, that, that was great. It was so packed in there, bro. I was like 15, 14 years old, something like that. Mm-hmm. I yeah, remember that. I remember when we did show in there. Video Music Box came out there crazy saying with their out. I never oh. smoked weed in 22 before, but that day it was, <laughs> we was in the locker room. I I mean, it was like Ralph was there, Sam was there, but Ralph was like, you're a motherfucker with a team out here. I said, but this game's with this we ain't union, we can get in trouble right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Big shout to Ralph and Dan with the crazy Sam. Yo, how, yeah. how important is um, graffiti to hip hop culture? And how did you get into graffiti? I mean, that's, that's one of the best. One of the elements, you know what I'm saying? Without that element, you know, we wouldn't even be talking right now. You know, graffiti was the first, second thing that I experienced in hip hop growing up as a kid. So I was a b-boy first, you know, being a gymnast and everything in school. I, I, I gravitated towards b-boy stuff, but then I went to Bronx Zoo on a Saturday with my family. And because I heard about graffiti so much, and I heard- everywhere. I get to New York and, and as a kid, bro, yeah. and get off that train. First of all, you don't see what's outside when you get off that train. You get off the train. And when I got off the train, I was, you know, my, my parents were walking with my two brothers. I was standing there in front of like, the train like this. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> but it is. Got outside. Oh shit. It was just like a war zone in the Bronx. I was like, what is the fuck is that shit? With no buildings, with no, I'm like, fiends everywhere. I was like, oh my God, we went to the zoo, came back, I'm like, again, looking at everything in the street. It just looked like escape from New York, but I'm just like, oh my God, feeding everywhere. 
Right. People were all strung out, trains everywhere, I'm like but graffiti everywhere. So I get home and I and turn the, I don't know why I turned the PBS and this night Star Wars came on. Wow. wow. Same night I went to the Bronx the same day. So my father looking at me all this he's like, You think you're gonna be writing on walls and shit like that? Like the only thing that kept me off the street was my father. So he said, Yo ass think you're gonna be out there writing on some damn walls, I will bust your ass. So you ain't gonna be on none of that shit. You see that paper right there? That shirt, I get you an airbrush and all that shit like that, but you ain't gonna be outside. So that part he kept me from but that shit gravitated because I'm an artist, I draw. Mm-hmm. I draw anime, I draw, you know, whatever. So uh-huh. that, that got inside me. I was like, oh hell, I got I need to be doing this. So I, I just, you know, it stuck with me. And but when I met Tame, he was one of the first graffiti artists in Jersey who I knew of that was going to New York. Same same as is, is official. You know what I'm saying? And our group, he is the graph dude in our group. Uh I, I stress that a lot. I want people to know that. Like it's it's you know, when it comes to both of us, we both got talent in doing what we do, but in that level, Tame has done a lot more than me, and I, re- I give that up to him, and I respect him a lot for that. Line. A lot of people also do. He did, he, so he did the Artifact logo? No, nah, this dude named Dante, it was a clothing line called Third Rail back in the 90s. Uh, this dude was responsible for that, and he did a lot of other artwork as far as like Cypress Hill, all the album covers from uh, the second album to uh, Black Sunday, he did a lot of these stuff. Ooh, wow. Yeah, good, 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 graffiti good, was part of my life too, man. I, I, I'll be right back, fellas. Part of yourself. I used to draw on all sorts of things. Actually, I did I did some of our shirts. Yo, how is it? Um, How do you feel about performing abroad? I love it. I love it. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's how we really make our money. Uh, these people, they, they, live, they bring us out. They know more about this music than some cats at home. You know, but it's, 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 you know, a lot of people say, yo, they appreciate it more. They know they love it more, you know, because they don't just get to go outside. They, they actually think when they come to New York, when they step foot in Manhattan, they're going to see rappers walking around like wildlife. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be somewhere. I'm going to see a rapper somewhere. I'm going to meet one. And because there's no more Fat Beats records, so you can't just go hang out in there. You do live with somebody from there. But, you know, overseas, man, it's just so different because, you know, they more of a student of this still and they understand what it is that they wanted what they want to see on stage the promoters our fans they DJs and producers so they all get together and put their money and shit together and bring us up yeah you know, but, you, but that's, that's, that's been 94 it's 94 we're going out of older if you see Zane's t-shirt I did the t-shirt Bill. Okay. Oh, true, true. Oh, yeah, yeah, dope, dope. Hey, I tell you what, though, man, it must, it must run on his family, man, because last year we interviewed, big shout out to uh, King Fate of Shirt Kings. That's that's Rob's okay. people. That's my cousin. So it yeah, must, sure, it must, yeah. must run in the family, bro. Yeah, yeah. Shirt Kings. Just messing with letters, man. Just messing with letters and just making your L's that way. Just. <laughs> you, you also, you also DJ, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I DJ as well. So what do you think about the transition from, from vinyl to Serato? How was that for you? I mean, it's just like all the other stuff that, you know, it, it comes back. You know, you have DJs that still do vinyl parties because they know, you know, when it comes to the digital life, you're going to hit you're gonna hit a ceiling. Right. You're going to hit a plateau. So, you know, it, everything, it makes, I would rather say that it made it easier for the DJ to travel around. But I, even still have the two pieces of vinyl to scratch on the Serato, 
you still need DJ skills to work that. Yeah, it's, still, it's still vinyl on your hands. It's just that music, the music is coming from the laptop. So when you talk about dudes that have, like, before Chaos passed away, he was doing the same thing. He, but he made his transition into digital early. Yeah. He understood what he had to do being a DJ of just doing parties. When you go to these clubs, they have all the shit already set up where you don't have to bring your equipment there. You just bring your records, but now you don't have to bring records. And this is when you know cats had good records and their files and their playlists. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he, he was into a lot of this stuff, like a lot of DJs are, are not. Right. You know, so a lot of the younger DJs, they're not going to have the same folders, the same music as an older DJ because right. that knowledge ain't there for them. But they would have to go to Big Unk and be like, yo, give me, the, give me some files, some, 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 some records. I was in LA, I was in LA, I was at a party. And a lot of the stuff throwback, they were playing Tevin Campbell. And this was everybody in the club. Can we talk? Yeah. That's the reason that's people throwback. People think Ken Park is a throwback. That's the young people throwback. They all singing in the club, all the girls singing at the same time. But that's how far, that's only as far as y'all can go. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Then when they started playing the older people's music, they was like, yeah, look at Auntie over there. I'm like, why, why she got me on? Why she just can't be a, a, a jam camera? Right. Oh, right. this, this is the difference we have with these people where this is the, the youth and the, and the age gap where, you know, I think if they understood what we was coming from of what we want them to be like and how we party compared to how they party, mm-hmm. that's the difference. You know, but I, I still think that even with the Serratos, you still gotta be a good DJ. Yeah. Talking about DJ, talk about your relationship with DJ Chaos. Man, that was my brother. You know, me and Tame, you know, we met Chaos in 89. Him DJ for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And we was walking past him and we was like, damn, my man good. He was juggling words I manifest. Yo, stole so Yeah, and this was like 89. So we never <laughs> heard we never heard the DJ juggling in the park. Like, who the fuck is that? So we, we, you know, so him DJ, we went up to him. I, I got his number and I kept in contact with Chaos throughout the years. I used to let him get all the artifact stuff before it came out. And then when Raider, when once Raider got into the DMC, like heavy, he was like, yo, Al, I'm about to, about to enter the contest. I'm about to try to win. I was like, word? Okay. So we was in Texas. I called Chaos. I said, yo, what are you doing? He's like, nothing. I was like, no, what are you doing, yo? He's like, nothing. I like, what the fuck are you doing? He said, who you DJing for? Who you DJing for? He's like, nobody. So I used the new artifact DJ. He was like, word? Like, that did he? I like, no, it ain't easy. So Raider, Raider gave him a uh, appreciation. Yeah, Raider was like, nah, fuck that. I gotta see what he made up. So we let him hear the Bass Him album. So he heard all the cuts on there. And I think we got to the song, This Is The Way. And when he heard that, Raider was like, all right, I'm convinced. Roll up, roll up song. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about how, um, like, uh, some of your some of your best memories about or. Tell me about when when you when you guys first had the access to go of course seas and how it broadened the spectrum as far as writing ability or just the overall experience of being a hip hop artist. Well, that was um, dope because we got to see how everybody else in the in, in the world reacted to our music in a, in a way where like you know at home you know cats we expected cats to know. When we got overseas, we was like okay this is like different. But we went over there early like '95, like '96 before everybody going now. So we saw Sweden, we saw Switzerland, Amsterdam, Copenhagen, Denmark, you know, where we was like, oh my God, like these niggas know the words, the song, like we saw all these different flavors and colors of people 
where we was like going back home, like telling people like, y'all, y'all even, we didn't understand what it was like. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, it's more of a privilege over there. You took the words I was about to say, it's a privilege because I've known a lot of dudes that haven't got the chance to go back. Mm-hmm. Wow. You yeah. yeah. so, and you can go over there and think you're going to eat your bread, some bitches and weed, you would not go back if your show ain't good. Yeah. What's the illest, what's the illest place you rocked out to? Damn. Mm. Um, I've rocked in some weird places. We rocked in places in towns you wouldn't think hip hop even was there. Yes, yeah, right. right. Daytime we get to the hotel, big ass sheep dog blocking the door, ain't moving. <laughs> 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 it's Easter Sunday. All the all the old people in the town are outside. We like, well, where are all the young people at? The dude at the hotel like, oh, don't worry, you'll see them. Nick. <laughs> Got to the club that night, it was hot. She was lit. I was like, the little kids, even fucking did. You want to smoke some weed, bro? <laughs> Austria, we were in Austria, and this shit was uh, the me, AG, uh, rest in peace, party artist. We was up, we was up. Oh, 80. Yeah, 80. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So, like, you can't, you know, overseas, man. Yo, I'm telling y'all, everybody, man, get a fucking passport, man. Yo, let me, let me digress for one second. I, I grew up with AG. AG, but AG's like an older brother than me. The first time he brought Party Audi around, this nigga was a total comedian, son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, he, and yo, he, 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 was, he, was, he was like, yo, Rob, you can write. Come on, let's write together. Yeah, the mm-hmm. shit was right. I can't write that shit, yo. Really? <laughs> yo, and then, and then to see him, just, just destroy. Take nothing away from Murder Mook. He destroyed Murder Mook in that battle, 125th. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. amazed, and it was sad. It was sad to lose Party, man. Yeah, yeah. I agree. He was the next one up. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I, he was a good dude, man. I got, I got to meet him when man, when AG was on. We did a month tour with AG in, in 2003, okay. and we all went on the road and. and Already, already, like when you go on tour with niggas, it's just like when living in the house with somebody. Really. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's just us. Yeah, I don't know. We the only we brothers together for real. You know, we flew together. We, we took trains together. We rode in fucking uh, a van for like uh, almost a month together. And I could say like you know, man, eighty was a good guy in the sense of where like his, his hip hop heart was always in the right place. And really? he, he meant everything he did for every battle line. And he was like, say he was a funny motherfucker. That dude was funny as hell on the road. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he, he, but like, that's what made him dope because like, he didn't take that shit too serious. Yeah. But you, you from you from an era where it was heavy with groups from y'all, Lords of the Underground, Dos Effects, Tribe Called Quest, even when you started about Mobile, Black Moon. Um, just the new school, cellar dwellers, outside. it was just all about right. the groups then. Like, yo, what's some of the pros and cons about, from your perspective, pros and cons of being in a group? Uh, being in a group, man. So, like, I, I have a lot of group friends, like Smith & Wesson and mm-hmm. Elvis Delta, you know, before Sean was going. You know, I think that everybody, every... A uh, group has one that everybody likes. No difference if it's EPMD. A lot of people like Paris before they like Eric Sermon. Mm-hmm. But that don't mean Eric Sermon didn't learn to be a better artist through that. And that's what he told me he got out of that. And it's the same with me and Tank. It's like all groups. You know what I'm saying? Like, never think that one person likes one person in the group. Well, I'll say everybody does because everybody likes every, what the group 
bring, what me and Tame bring as a group, we I know that he has a different style of ramen than I do, and we we bring I think as a group we bring two different crowds together. Uh, me and Tame is like night and day. He like fucking yin and yang. He's optimistic and I'm Felix Hunger. All, all that shit is real. Now. <laughs> you know, I try to tell people like being in a group is like being in a real relationship. You know what I'm saying? Like you both have to do your part in order to come together to be this great one thing. So we that's and that was why we split up because we split up because we were trying to do too much of that. We're trying to keep up with the label, trying to keep up with a, a personal life, trying to do all this stuff. We were just burnt out. We're like, yo, let's just sit down. And even if we got to take a break from each other, let's do that. But that's what made our group so great with our chemistry that the industry couldn't break that apart for so long. That's why we came back together. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's like you can. It can be frustrating for some people when. Uh, even if you're not in the group and you're, on, and you're doing shows and another artist getting more love than you, you got to really just suck that up and say, let me get better. Because obviously it's something that that person's doing that they like. And when you're in the group and when you have one that meets might be more outgoing than the other, it's just about that other one finding his up, you know, mm-hmm. for the other group, group member. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people get to a point where they feel like, you know, it could be a lot of animosity, a lot of jealousy. Mm-hmm. But if you have a partnership with your dude, or whoever that you with your DJ, you have to just make sure that you're comfortable in yourself. And this is with any artist that's making music. You have to be comfortable in your own skin to know that if she might say something about you, and even if it's not the most appealing, yo, keep it moving. Because you're not going to be the slice of bread for everybody when they're making their motherfucking sandwich. Yeah. Everybody like, everybody like using different bread when they make their sandwich. Don't mean that you nasty. Just <laughs> I, I, I cater to this kind of bread. I like rye bread, nigga. Yo, you know what? Yo, you know what's interesting about <laughs> it was was interesting about you say that. It's funny because um, as you were saying, I was thinking I can't think of too many artists that started in a group, went solo and rap, went solo and then you know didn't find their way back to the group. But I think Buster, Buster, his solo success has went through the roof. But if you think about like even what. Eric in Paris, like right now, you know, probably there's more money in the EPMD business than it is in a solo Eric Sermon or solo Paris Smith concert. Like somehow, some way, people always find their way back to the original brand. Right, because when you talk about doing shows, it's no, no different than me and Tame. My man said, yo, y'all dope by yourself, but y'all great together. Exactly. We both know that. You know what I'm saying? We both know what the people want. You know, if somebody called me and they want to book an Elderson Day show, yeah, I'll do one by myself. If they want to do that and they want to excel, we can right. do that too. But I know at the end of the day, Artifact is what really is the breadwinner mm-hmm. and what we're trying to do. And nothing overpowers that yeah. at all. Okay. So, for the, for the but, listeners out there, right, when you guys recorded Wrong Side of the Track, did you guys know that... Nah, all right, I'm going to say this, man, because... A lot of artists will say, oh, man, we never knew we will make it this big. We never knew this song. Nah, a lot of artists know that this shit is dope. And they just be like, so when it happens, they got to say, they got to be humble and be like, yeah, you know, we didn't know. But you <laughs> guys nah, nah, knew. Nah, when y'all did the tracks, you guys knew that shit was going to pop. I'll tell you who knew. Lord Jamar knew. Jamar, Jamar, he asked us, he's like, yo, what, who are y'all like, what, like, we first went over his crib, like we never was trying to get in with him, like, you know, put us out, you know, groom us. We used to just go hang out with him. And I yeah. think that's what Jamar likes the most. So he made the call. He said, all right, look, we got to come. We're going to get started. 
Is the song we did with them is on YouTube. You can probably find it called Check the Fine Print. And we did that song first. And then we did the wrong side, but Jamar asked us, like, what are y'all about? Like, tell me, like, what makes y'all tick? Like, what, why should I even fuck with y'all? So he was like, what, what, what we told him, we about graffiti, we about b-boying, dancing, you know, all of this shit. So he's like, well, write about that, write shit about it. We just, and I'm out the bomb like Vietnam under the same name, Team One. That's what we spit that in front of Jamar before we recorded. Man. So he said, he said, look, okay, this is who we are. And once we put them, that one song made us who we were. And Jamar, when we recorded it, I mean, like, it was a dirty demo record. So we ain't really thinking nothing of it at the time. We just knew we had to do it again, mm-hmm. do it better. Put them and, on and yeah, like but when we did this song, it, that song wasn't like that when we did it with Jamar. But when we got with T Ray, we had to switch the beat. The one that you what you hear today is what we when we was making. We was making it like we heard that horn, like you said. We was like, oh, and then the other one, the other horn was later on down the line. So we just added that, and we knew. My creation sample was used by every damn body, Chuck Rock, <laughs> Tice, Black Moon, We still don't use it. And, we, and because of that, we didn't know how people would feel about that part. But once the shit came out, I can say, I had no idea that I'll be sitting here talking to y'all today about a song that me and Tame did on the regular as kids. And to this day, still, I go everywhere. One of the many timeless pieces of art that you guys created, man. I mean, that first time I heard that song, I probably played that joint about seven times in a row, bro. Just trying to just dissect everything. You listen to the whole joint. And and even the label, the label, we had a a listening party for all of the magazines. And um, I remember everybody go play it again. Every time I went off, play the video, play it again, play the damn thing again. So it was like eight times, eight times, bro. And I looked at the dude at the label, and he looked at me, he came over to me, he said, oh, I guess we know what the single is, huh? He was like, mm-hmm. Yeah, we over there too much. Yo, so yeah, so that's, that's a perfect segue to my next question. I was going to say, what did you guys learn from album one to album two in terms of making music and the business aspect of, uh, of the recording industry? We finished the second album way faster than we did the first one. Like, oh, we learned about how the budgets work. Oh, hell yeah. Once they told us so much money, we said, oh, I'm in your food in the studio. Like, G-Ray going back to record way back, like, mad times, because he wasn't sure about it. We were like, oh, fuck, no, no, no. You know what I'm saying? We chose that period. We recorded seven songs in two weeks. Yeah, so, that shit out. Yeah. So, like, we were like, okay, get that shit out of here. We recorded the song with, with BIC, like, early in Fort Lee, New Jersey. We were into my crib. We were like, no more big studio, fuck that. We were in the crib, <laughs> your house, your house. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. <laughs> not playing with um, So yeah, that one, we learned to, to be fast. And did, be the, did the label give y'all a big budget, though? I mean, the, the, we had a standard budget. Um, for the first one, the second one was a little bigger, you know, because we did a little noise, but um, they never bothered us with a lot of stuff we was doing. Musically, what you heard, they let us do. 
Um, but like, I would say that we didn't get to do the Buster video. That kind of um, where I thought that they dropped the ball with that. Yeah, you know why I say that? Because I think that some artists don't learn from album one to album two, and they still like, nah, put me up in a, I want to be up in a big studio, and they're not looking at like the the, the invoices and stuff like that. <laughs> And the studios that cost like eighty to hundred dollars an hour, bro. Yeah. Dang. Fuck that. Fuck that. I, I can eat More. that. And right. the crazy thing is, the crazy thing too is that you know this is an era where people weren't showing up to the studio with rhymes. They was going to book yeah. studio time and sitting down. Now, <laughs> right? they, um, that, that was us. That was us. I would say, but they used to worry about that. Like, but what made us good was we learned to do songs in the studio. And that was our thing. Like, you know, all of those songs, we talking about Ultimate, like all of them songs we did, we wrote right there. But that was because even if we was at home, we write that shit. We get to the studio, you're hearing it loud. You know, you're hearing it in a whole different way. So mm -hmm. that would make sight for me and Tame to be like, all right, right here on the spot. Let's just knock the shit out. And that was those better songs that we would make because of that. Um, we didn't, we didn't, feel like we was doing something wrong, but the label felt like, you know, y'all sitting there wasting time. How we wasting time? We Every time we come out of the, this lab, we got a song done. Yeah. Every time we come out of the studio. And we never wasted music and shit. Like, we didn't have enough time to sit there and make 50 songs for an album and say, all right, we got the luxury to take this one, this one, that one. You know, nah, we just, what we make yeah. is I think that was the standard, the standard label tagline, though, because they knew people was going up there, they was bringing their crew up there, they was getting high, drinking, bringing chicks wow, up there. Man. Yeah. Spending a whole, yo, know, you spent spending days in the studio and then show up with one song, you know. So I think labels kind of got to the point where they're like, yo, you know, this this is this actually is a job. Tell me, um, how'd you link up with Organized Confusion and actually rocking with Pharaoh? Um, my man, uh, uh, Matt Fingers, he told me if I ever got off the label, you know, to hit him up. I said, hey, we off the label, I'll hit you up, what's good? So he was like, hey, you said, if, you, if, I, if I had a chance to do a record by myself, you would do it? He said, yeah. So he said, well, who would that be? I said, well, I want to do one with organizing. I think something about to happen. And I want to get them on documented beat now as a group together. And uh, he had FT and Mike Zoot as artists that he knew. So we all just got in the studio room. Um, even Smosh is one of my favorite MCs. Uh, so he, the, he, asked, he asked me to come in the booth with him when he was doing it. I was like, oh shit. So he, he did his verse. I'm looking at him like, okay. He's like, yo, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what do I think? I'm like, you good? Yo, that shit was fire. You know, I didn't know telling him all that would make him feel uncomfortable like that. Mosh like, nah, yo, stop, stop. Oh, you, you my boy. He's like, you can't tell me I'm your favorite rapper. I was like, yeah, too late. <laughs> Too late, but you are. So that was a, a treat for me to do a song with him. Um, like I said, being one of my favorite artists, next to Redman, right. next to Eddie Kane, G Rap, Terrace, Chuck D, these are my heroes, and Monster yeah. One of them. This, 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 of hold on, man. This, this next question is, is might be a little personal, but I, I want to I wanna know how you feel about this, man. You've done so much work, you work with so many people. And you're a busy guy. How do you juggle that? Because then you got to come home and deal with your son and autism. How, mm -hmm. how do you manage that, that that part of your life? 
Now, and it be, that, as a kid, it was harder. As him, you know, like, I found out he was autistic at two and a half. So when I was going to all the albums, uh, Relax, Relate, and Release, I have an inside the cover art right. and a picture with me. And at the time, he was like five or six. Right. So it was still early in his knowing about his autism. So I, I had to take him everywhere with me. Uh, every studio I went to, every, you know, he was still going to school too, but, you know, once I got him in, in school, you know, I had him with me because I didn't have him in the school I wanted him to be in that I felt that I could trust him. Yeah. And as far as Elliot, he was a little bit more advanced than some of the cats in school. Nice. Uh, he knew how to dress himself, he knew how to do everything by himself, bell, whatever. Some of the cats wasn't like that. So, through my years of dealing with that, I, I learned to adapt. My family helped me out a lot, a lot. I wouldn't be able to do half of the stuff I'm doing. Nice. If my family didn't help me in that in that regard. So nice. none of this don't happen in my what's family. Your, what's your son's name? His name is Elliot as well. Shout out to Elliot. If you in there yeah. background listening, bro, shout out to you, bro. Congratulations on that graduation. My youngest son, Elliot, Elliot graduated in 2016 out of his school, and my youngest son just graduated out of high school. So, right, yo, you doing, doing your job, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and, and trying to do, and doing this rap shit, I tell you, I mean, right now I'm in the hotel. I didn't took them out to chill because it's hot as hell outside. Yeah. And took them eating, and now we here. I'm in the, I'm in the, the hallway right now. Got to see this, but you know, I, I'm just, just letting them have a little time. But this is something that I never thought I would do for a living. Once I, I used to work in the hospital. Mm-hmm. I worked in nuclear medicine. I, I was an X-ray file clerk at St. Michael's Hospital in Newark. Um, I made a decision to do music. I didn't look back. You know, for a lot of people. My boy, he always bug out. He said, "Hell, you ain't had a real job since 1994. Goddamn it, you're still surviving." And, <laughs> and, and doing this music, he said, "Yo, I don't know how you doing it, but you know, yeah. my, my, my man, my bud, my man, out by bud from people asking like, yo, how you doing this music?' Like, I don't know, but he he come over here buying weed like every other day, so he must be. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the battery right there. <laughs> battery. My man, so he's what he's doing so. Tell me this, man. Out of out of the multitude of artists that you work with, tell me who are some of the artists that, when you guys did the recording process, did the least takes. It might have been a one and out, two and out, three and out. I would I would say more that Tame Tame is like that. Uh, I, we haven't worked with a lot of artists like that, okay, but like mm, for the most part, I would say for me watching Tame Tame. It is hard even just coming behind the dude. If y'all, y'all gotta understand all these years, you know, that's why I understood where SE Double was coming from when he was talking about him in Paris and how Paris made him better. It was like the same for me, just coming behind Tame and listening to some of the shit he was saying. And knowing that he'd go in there, like, you know, with a whole 10 rhymes, clap, 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 but it sometimes seems epic. Where I'm beating myself up in the studio trying to get this right, get this right, get that line this way, and this thing coming in, I'm done. <laughs> so that, 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 that's good to see, but also hard to follow. That's a pro being in the group, though. You are, you only got to have 116 in you. Sometimes mm-hmm. you only got to have 116 in you. Yo, the other thing, just I'm um, switching gears a little bit from music, is I see you heavy in the fashion. Every time I see you on Instagram, either you on some low or you in your own merch. Like, how how'd you get in the fashion? Well, the low thing happened because, you know, as a kid, uh, once I started working a job, 
you got tired of hearing your pops and mom for you. Well, look, two other brothers over there. Uh, uh, you can't be wearing all that. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> Let's get the jobby job over here. Right. So a little bit more one of what I'm already in. So I just gravitated toward that uh, merch. I've always been making shirts, uh, even when we was doing early artifact stuff and when I went solo. I just made it a thing to make sure that every time I put out a single or put out a record, I had a shirt to go with it. Um, I think it's important to have merch because it's something that you can do with your fans and and really that's what it's about. It's about the fans first. If you're not giving them something back in return for you doing your music and them purchasing the music, this is the, the best way to do it. You know, I got really serious with it maybe in six years ago where I just, you know, sometimes you play yourself out when you're not doing everything you think you're doing. Right. That's what I you do stuff that, you know, when you're on your path, you see shiny shit in the road, and you go, don't don't look at the shiny thing. Just keep going. And when I put my mind through it, I just like, okay, let's do some hoodies. Okay, now let's do some hats. And I just didn't look back. And, and salute to my man Bobby, uh, knockout screen friend, salute to New Jersey Ink Shop in Long Branch, New Jersey. If not, salute to Benny from Naughty. He gave me the plug for the New Jersey Ink Shop because my, my other dude, started flaking so I'm gonna say this too in doing the merch I, I, I love working with my black people but I will say this I support black business but all black people ain't good at doing <laughs> so right now I've been working with a Mexican brother for at least the last four years and he has been on point me and his relationship is very good. I've been, I've been, I've been able to get him work with other artists that see that he's serious too. So I tell all my brothers out there that if y'all doing business, do the business right. You know what I'm saying because I don't care what color you are, I give you a chance. But when you know, I don't want to go off on my people, but you got to do better, y'all. Got to do, got to do better. We understand, bro. We understand. Man, you 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 was ahead of the curve. You said you was doing this six years ago because you see like all the rave now with people doing this bundling merch. Yeah, everybody, you're trying to get out yeah, I thought everybody feel no disrespect, but yeah, Shopify is for the lazy man. You know what I'm saying? You can go to the post office yourself and you know what I'm saying? You ain't gotta pay that company thirty five dollars just for them to ship your shit out. There's a lot of things that people can do that can help themselves and spend and save a lot of bread. But you gotta gotta work. You gotta go to work. You gotta put that footwork in. You right. gotta take yourself physically in the post office. I I like people. Oh, yo, why don't you get the um, you know the, the you print the thing out in your crib? And stuff. Like man, like you take the work away from me, bro. Don't take my job. Like <laughs> <laughs> going to the post office and let people see that as you doing it. Before I go any further, I got seven percent left. So I, before I get cut off, I just want to let y'all know I got seven percent left. But. Um, you know, I, I, this merch thing is, is a serious thing, and like I said, everybody's doing it. Everybody thinks they're still popular, but that don't mean that because you think you're popular, everybody gonna want to buy a shirt. Right. You, gotta, you gotta really give people something, a real reason to purchase your things, and don't be so crazy with the price. Be reasonable, Period. and that's what, I'm, that's what I'm doing. You know, my, my t shirts are 25 to 30 dollars the most, long sleeve, maybe 35. You know what I'm saying? Hoodies is, is less than 150, 60 dollars. I'm not killing nobody. It's affordable for everybody, and I'm doing it. There's nobody else controlling it. Yeah. What's your What's your opinion on streaming? Like, have Have you You know, have the artifacts been able to capitalize on streaming? 
Now, the streaming thing, I'm, I don't have no uh, account for the shop, Spotify account. Everything music-wise that comes out on there be on, like I tell people, like, you know, when I put records out, they come out on labels. So if me and Sadat album come out on the label called Vinyl Digital in Germany, they're putting it up on Spotify and all the numbers get tallied. I, I can't say that I've ever put up my one song on to see how the effect would be because I'm still trying to do this thing as a real, like I tell people when we make these, they're really coming out. Like, they're really coming out as a release to the world and not just to one thing. So once I start probably doing something like that, I probably have a better answer for you. But I, I, I don't in, indulge in it on my own to our state music. I say like, I have a phone, a, a, a number, a song on my phone and I just take it out of my playlist and put it up on there and just see what happens. I've seen what happens when it's a uh, 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 process mm-hmm. and I can see the numbers in my, in my you know, break, break, breakdown mm-hmm. of where the shit's selling and where it's going through. And with streaming though, I say it helps a person like me more because it's, you know, it shows me where my fan base is at. Mm-hmm. And it showed me how I'm, you know, how I can really do on my own. Yeah, L, you on your marketing shit hard. I like that. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm really <laughs> trying to, you know, do this in a way where it's like a blueprint for a lot of guys that, you know, that's not my age yet. Because mm-hmm. understand, like, these are the things you have to do as an artist my age because there's a lot of people missing out on in, on that inside money, and people only concerned only concerned with doing the show. And, and the physical mm-hmm. it's, it's digital money out there that you can get from your music that you don't even use no more it's all about that it's all about that life it's about that soundtrack money and trying to use no samples to get on these commercials there's a lot of things I figured out now that I wasn't doing before you know where it's like say we just did something with Thrasher Magazine you know they like music that we've done in the past so you want Free City Kid or some other shit on that skate thing right there be my guest <laughs> work it out. Work it out. Yeah, bro. Nah, I was gonna say plug your Mexican dude because I want the t-shirts. <laughs> hey, look, look. You, you get at me. I'm gonna give you my info on here before we get out of here. Okay. He's in, he's in Riverside, <laughs> Cal- he's in Riverside, California. My man, clean as hell. And I, I finally made it to the shop. If you need somebody to do some good work for you, I recommend him. Not just he's my friend, but he's on point with the work and he's fast too. Yeah. And he'll take the truth. He'll give him a two-week window. He'll take it. That's what I'm talking about. Why you do business? Yeah. And at the I end of the day, man, uh, Elder Sensei, we definitely appreciate you coming through. Uh, can you can you give people the information if you, uh, people that's trying to book you for shows or any other purchase merch and everything else? Hey, buddy, um, you can hit me on my Instagram. That's where I do all my work. Sensei from NJ, S-E-N-S-E-I from New Jersey. Hit me up on there for all things. I'm on Facebook, but yeah, you catch me on Instagram. Sensei uh, from NJ. Yeah. Okay. I want to say we appreciate you pulling up and joining us, having this conversation with us tonight. Right. This is God, you. I appreciate y'all for having me on. Yeah. We, on we on point, too. I got 4% left. <laughs> a, a real hip-hop conversation, yo. On that note, we're going to let you go. Salute, brother. Hello, you know, checking on right, you. I, I appreciate y'all again. Thank you. And like I said, I, I'm going I'm to be in touch with all y'all here. I'm, I'm touching the screen, so I see y'all. And I'll I, 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 get you in your DM. I'm going to hit the DM right yeah, now. Yeah.